Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. You know where to find us, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other podcast platforms. And if your thing is getting on YouTube and doing that kind of thing, we're on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. You can find us, like, listen, subscribe on all those all those great areas. Drink, uh, I really love shows where we get together and we have four different sports. Really gets the over here diversifying the portfolio and all that. Right. Great to be back with you. Right, right. Um, well, you know, you, we, we back we back in the lab again. And this this time we got a variety pack. So, well, you know, um, well, how, how everything over there with you, man? I know you ready to get up in this thing, man. Yeah, we ready, we ready to go, man. How about you? I'm ready to go too. So you know what time it is. Another day, another dollar. We we here to get the streets what they need. We see what they don't. Absolutely. Say what they want. Set your dinner plates because it's time to eat. And last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what we got today? Well, it's episode 45. We got more NFL trades. We got big news from baseball. And we'll, we'll take a look at the scene in men's college basketball. But we have to start with the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, a game that was highly anticipated due to the fact that it was the first matchup since the trade uh, where Ben Simmons went to Brooklyn and James Harden came to Philadelphia. Uh, Needless to say, it did not live up to expectations. The Brooklyn Nets win this one in a landslide, 129 to 100. Kevin Durant, 25 points on 10 for 17. Kyrie, 22, 8 for 17. And Seth Curry... And perhaps his revenge game, 24 points on 10 for 14 and four for eight from three. They also get good, big contributions off the bench from James Johnson and Nicholas Claxton. The 76ers on the other side, indeed, did score 27 points, but most of that from a free throw line, just five for 17 from the floor. And uh, James Harden, uh, was he was not very good. 11 points on three for 17. Uh, the 76ers had been eight and two since the trade and five and zero when James Harden played that, that streak is, uh, over the Nets still hold the eighth seed in the Eastern conference, 34 and 33. The Sixers remain in third place at 40 and 25 drink, uh, really, really a game that had a lot of, you know, a lot of eyes on it for the regular season. It was one of the more expensive games, I think for Philadelphia fan, Philadelphia fans like Amber, including playoff games. So. Uh, what you what do you think of the result? Yeah, uh, first of all, I, I agree with you. I think this game, for you know, up to a certain extent, um, it had like a playoff vibe to it. Um, I, I know a lot of people was interested. We was interested. The crowd seemed to be interested, and the star players that was um, involved in this game, even though one was on the sideline in a, a nice Louis Vuitton sweater with the with the jewels with the drippy drip. Um, even he was into it because uh, he did come out, you know, before the game started, um, and he did he took some sh- warm up shots with uh, and some no shall I say warm up passes with Patty Mills um, to warm him up. But he came out there just he knew he was gonna get serenaded with the Bulls, so he he got the show started early. Came out there, he showed that um, he wasn't gonna be intimidated by the by the environment. Um, and then he went back and got in his nice clothes and sat on the bench for the rest of the game. Um, so I think I, I think when you when you talk about what was built around this game, I think we all those factors was there. Um, national televised, you know, uh, everybody was available except for Ben Simmons. Now, with that said, 
You might as well say, James, you know what? I ain't even going to get on that right quick. Let me let me give kudos to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Listen, I think I'm going to be honest here. If you if step if Seth Curry and James Johnson gonna be doing what they did last night, even without Ben Simmons, this is gonna be pretty lethal. I'm just keeping it. This their defense might not be as good as it would be with Ben Simmons. Oh, but that offense is gonna click. That offense is gonna put up some numbers because Seth Curry is like. People so caught up on Ben Simmons and James Harden, we we tend to forget about the other guys that was traded um, mm-hmm. to, to the Nets. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. Them dudes had a very big impact on that game last night, both of them. Seth Curry to a more you know further extent than um, Andre Drummond, but they had a big impact. Then you're talking about James Johnson, another guy that the Nets picked up. And, and uh, I think a guy that was kind of underrated um, that that uh, that the, the, the Nets picked up in Gordon Dragic, he showed you the importance of having a good backup point guard. Um, I looked at all that last night, man, and I'm like, did, <laughs> listen, if this is what the Nets are going to do and if they're, they're insulated pieces, the Currys of the world, the Dragons, the Johnsons, the Drummonds, the Claxons. If those guys are gonna show up like they did last night, hey, good luck. Cause you know what you're getting out of Durant and, and, and Irvin. You know what time it is when they get to cooking for real, for real. And listen, I don't know, maybe you know, Irvin is feeling better as of late, but he he been he's been cooking. I mean, maybe he was just waiting on James Harden to get on out the way. Um, dropped a 50 piece in his last game. Then he come back here, dropped 22. Hell, people will take a part-time Irvin. Is this what you giving? If this is what you shelling out, hey, we'll take part-time until we figure out the rest of it. We'll take the part-time. Because, um, listen, th- that team last night, that, that was a good-looking um, Nets team. And then they came into Philly, and it was all about Ben Simmons. All like, oh, Ben Simmons ain't playing. They're going to boo him, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, hey, Ben, don't worry about it. We got your back. They could boo all they want, but they, they're not on the court playing. We got you. And we seen what happened. And, and, and to that fact, I think um, Seth Curry and DeAndre Drummond, um, I think they had a, pro- a point to prove last night, too. Like, hey, you just traded us away, like, a couple of extra chips at the poker table. Nah, man, like – we, we can do some things, too. And they showed that last night. It was like, okay, cool. You Essentially, when you think about this, right, when you look at what you seen last night, the Philadelphia 76ers trade away three starters to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets could legitimately start all three of the guys they got in that, that um trade on a team. And going over to the other side of the pillow, the 76ers last night. I'm hoping this is not a trend, but it has to be said. Here go another game of high magnitude that James Harden is involved in, and he he looking a little underwhelming, as, as they say. Um, James, I don't think they brought you here for 11 points. Now, I'm not going to... I'm not going to harp on them 
too bad because this probably his worst game since he just suited up for the 76ers. As you said in the lead-in, they was 5-0 up to this point. So it's not like he just been melling it in since he's been with the 76ers. The problem is if it was one game you need to show up to in his last five-game stretch, it's probably this one for all the obvious reasons, right? Like, it's kind of, you know what I'm saying? This is the one Philly really needed. Like, what you did against, you know, the Knicks or whoever you – like, these other teams, that's cool, man. But this is the game, like you said, a very expensive ticket to get to. This is the game Philly fans kind of want to see you come out here and cook. You, They need to see you cook on this one. Um, And that did not happen. Um, to your point about Embiid, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Embiid did not have a great game last night, but listen, I'll take 27 and 12. <laughs> I mean, granted, for Embiid, is it underwhelming? Yes, this is an MVP. Uh, I mean, if he keeps playing at the level he's been playing at, he got a very good uh, chance at MVP this year, been playing at an MVP level. And we all, we all consider that, if James Harden comes here motivated, this should be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But instead, this was a one man band last night. I mean, hell, the only other person that seemed to actually give a rip and come along with MB is Tobias Harris. And that ain't saying much. Okay. That, that's just not saying much. Um, the fact that Philadelphia was at home. I thought that was going to also energize them and have them playing better. And listen, to your point, if it weren't for MB going to the free throw line 19 times and hitting 15 of them, this game was over pretty early, like pretty early. And I thought Durant was going to give them 50. I'm telling you that right now. After the way he was playing in the first quarter, I don't I don't even think the shot – I think every shot he shot in the, in the first quarter felt like none of them even hit the rim. It was all net. I mean, just I was like, oh man. Uh-uh. He about to go for 50. This this looking bad right now. Like he ain't even hitting the rim. You know how locked in you gotta be to just be hitting shots and know you hit the rim. Like, I was like, oh, this about to get ugly. Then he eventually he cooled off for the rest of the game, but it was cool. He Kyrie Irving come in with 22. Uh Seth Curry come in with 24. James Johnson with 16. I'm like. So with all that said, all right, so the way I looked at this last night, one-game one sample size, I get it. Regular season regular season game Thursday night in Philadelphia, I, I get all that. But I think you I think you could agree with me when, when I say this, that some regular season games are elevated more than most. And I think this was one of them. Even with Ben Simmons not playing, fine, that's cool. Because the Nets still got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So even with Ben Simmons not playing, I think, like you said, this game still had heavy, like, um, anticipation for it. And then for James Harden, I'm so – listen, I was just looking on Twitter. James Harden out partying last night. So you come out here with 11 points in 29 minutes – Six rebounds, five assists, negative 30. I mean, MB was a negative 32, but at least he was doing something. And everybody was negative. Everybody was negative a lot. Yeah, everybody was negative a lot. 
Um, but I'm, I'm gonna stick to these these superstars as they are. Like I ain't, ain't Tobias Harris ain't a superstar. Tyree Maxey, you can miss me with that. And and Thibault, listen, you got to develop a shot, man. You out here looking like Ben Simmons, like. Um, but just sticking to the stars, J- James Harden. You got shut down by Kyrie Irving. Yo, when the la- when the hell was the last time we considered Kyrie Irving a defensive like anything? Like I ain't a defensive stopper, a defensive player, a defensive disruptor, uh, a nuisance on the defense, like anything, like any type of like adjective that describes a good defensive player in the NBA. I don't think Kyrie Irving was never named any of that. Yet it's still. What did he do last night? Hey, James, so you want you want to be traded? I got you. And 11 points, three for 17, three for seven for three point. Like, bro, what you known for nowadays is assists. You only got five of them. But you but you turn up with Lil Baby and Travis Scott, right? But you turn up with them, right? Man, if I was Embiid, I'd probably show up at James Harden house and slap the dog crap out of him. Cause like this, bro, we we traded a lot to get you here to help us win a championship. I don't give a rat's ass about the turn up. Like that last night, you want to turn up, turn up on the court, then go turn up out here in the club. Turn up on the court. No, instead of you turning up, they turning up on you. Kyrie out here wiping his shoes off on your jersey. That's what was happening last night. Durant don't even acknowledge you. Durant think you he you about the same equivalent as Kevin Porter Jr. from Houston. Like Durant just looking at you like who who, who are you again? Like he don't even acknowledge you. And when you get a chance to actually make some believers out of this whole trade nonsense, here you come with 11 points. I'm man, I'm so upset with James Harden, man. Cause I feel like this is about to be a wasted year. And you know what? It's gonna be a lot of a lot of media, you know, analysts and stuff. I told you so. I told you so. I'm gonna tell you right now. If when the first round of the playoffs come around, if James Harden be out here with this mess right here, if he be out here flopping around this right here, I'm telling you, Philly should just let let him walk. Don't don't try to like make him happy. Just let him walk after the season. Let him do whatever and just cut ties because. I said this before we started this segment. James Harden ain't been right since I forgot what year that was, but that year that Chris Paul got hurt and they really had Golden State on the ropes, he he hasn't been right since that season. He gets mad at Chris Paul, get him traded away. Here come Russell Westbrook, and we know the rest is history, right? Um, James Harden was the most disappointed player on the court last night for both teams, bar none. The narrative went from Ben Simmons going back for the first time and getting booed and maybe not having the courage to stand up to the Philly crowd to what in the hell is James Harden doing? It's an odd man out. And right now it's James Harden, which is crazy because Ben Simmons didn't even, he would he didn't even play. And James Harden is the odd man out. He got to get it together, man. This is not what they traded for. This is not, I know it's one game, but it's one game against Damn, damn near, could we call them your rivals now? It's like one game against your rivals. Like, 
Every time we see Brooklyn and Philly on the screen, we're going to watch because we think this is the premier matchup in the Eastern Conference. No disrespect to the Bucks. No disrespect to the Heat. Yeah, just no disrespect to those two teams. But you, this is the, the matchup we think we're going to see in the playoffs at some point. And this wasn't it, James Harden. So put down the crystal, put down the, the whatever else you drink. The the Duce, the Hennessy, whatever else you drinking now, and fucking uh, and pick up some Gatorade and like do your job, man. That I thought last night was just a flat out piss poor effort from James Harden last night. That was my takeaway from the game, Jay. Pretty pretty scathing, as uh, oh. well deserved, by the way. Um, <laughs> I got. So many like cheap jokes. But when you talk about Kyrie being a great defender, I was like, yeah, that's not his reputation. He won't even defend himself from, you know, deadly pathogens, you know, the little cheap <laughs> vaccine rib. Um, you, you know, you know how bad you have to play to go plus 17 from the free throw line and lose by 29. That's what that's what Philadelphia did last night. They had a they were plus 17 from the free throw and lost by 29. So really, if you take free throws away, they lost the game by 46. Obviously, the game doesn't work like that, but that's just, I mean, because Philadelphia, like MB was at the line. He was living at the free throw line first half, and that's the only reason the game was any sort of within striking distance. And, of course, the second half come around, and, like, uh, Brooklyn just kept running away. They led by at least 30 at several points, I believe. Right, right. And I do I do agree with one of your main takeaways. It's like some there are some games during the regular season that mean more than others. Uh, Christmas Day would be one of them. And there are other games that these teams, you know, you got to be like, okay, that one. Like, we're circling these, you know. Of course, this one wasn't probably one of great consequence to start the season. But once you have the trade between such, you know, big stars that that swap teams, then obviously this one becomes very important. And then you add in the fact that it's in Philadelphia. They obviously feel some type of way about Ben Simmons. They started booing Ben Simmons, and then by the third quarter, they was booing their own team because that's how <laughs> lackluster and awful they were. It was, uh, and it was just it was. My my bad. You you said that, and it, it did remind me of what Kevin Durant said. Kevin Durant did say after the game, yeah, yeah they they can't boo you when their team losing by thirty. So I, I forgot to say that's, that. That's right. That's right. It's, well, yeah, well deserved. Yeah, well deserved. I mean, and that you know the thing that was so interesting is, and it seemed like from the start, the Nets, the Nets were the one that brought the intensity, and the one I think the one play that really started it for me was when Drummond was really challenging Embiid and blocked one of his shots and just seemed to be playing like a, like an animal. And I mean that in a, the most positive light I can. I mean, that really, that really like stood out to me. And then you talk about um, Seth Curry, like as great as he was playing. And you do, you do look at that trade and the, the headlines are Harden and Simmons. But then as we said, when we talked about the trade, like, I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn got two, especially Seth Curry, like he's been playing great and Drummond, I mean, Drummond belongs in this league. I mean, if, if this was like, you know, 20 years ago, Drummond could be something crazy. But like with the game, the way it's changed, not, not so much, but he still belongs. And his his size is going to be important to Brooklyn as they as they move on and move forward because they don't have a lot of it. And that's kind of that was one of the things that was a problem for them in the playoffs last year. Um, 
but yeah, the way Brooklyn came out, and you look at Andre Drummond, you look at Steph Curry, and then I mean KD and Kyrie just couldn't miss to start. And so, I mean, Philadelphia just they didn't match the effort, the intensity. They didn't match the intensity that the, the crowd was intense to start. But you know how that works. Like if your team right. isn't giving you anything to cheer about, and you're just getting out here, you're getting rolled, and you're getting beat up. Like they're gonna they're gonna be quiet at some point until you're playing so badly that you that you start getting booed. So the the problem for Brooklyn, and this is just big picture for them. And I thought one of the TNT guys, it might it might have been Charles Barkley, laid it out to start. The Brooklyn still Brooklyn has a problem because at the season end of the day they'd be in eighth place. And he'd have to go to Toronto, who's in the seventh seed. Kyrie wouldn't be able to play that game. And then if you lose that game and you fall into the 8-9 or the 8-10 or whoever wins the 9-10 game, you're going to be at home. Kyrie can't play in that game. They could still win either of those games, but your margin for error is a lot thinner because, and I think you'd agree with this, when you take Kyrie or KD off the floor, it makes the defense's job a little bit easier because now you only got one superstar to work with. Right. Now they still have plenty. They still have Seth Curry and Patty Mills and other guys who can score it, but they can't necessarily create their own shot at will like those other two guys. So and they can't take over the game. Right. So that's a reason why when you look at that's why the play in Brooklyn would be well served to get hot here recently or in the next few weeks and try to claw their way up to the sixth seed. They're, I think they're about five games out right now. So, I mean, Ben Simmons, I know he didn't play last night. I know he's still, still dealing with some sort of back thing, but uh, they, they do need him quick, fast, and in a hurry because they got to they gotta get this chemistry thing together because this team definitely, when you look at how they played last night, they obviously, they obviously are a scary bunch. But th- this play-in scenario and with Kyrie, uh, with Kyrie's, uh, you know, they're not going to let him play in Canada or in his own home city, which is still bewildering in, in, its, own, in its own sense. That's another conversation. But that the, play, the play-in scenario, is it could, be, it could be tough for them. But, I mean, for Philadelphia, the one thing you notice is, like, you take Seth Curry off the team, there's a lot less shooting. It, it just appears. And it looks like the, the thing that I've been so complimentary of Philadelphia is that backcourt depth. I mean, we can we can give James Harden a lot of a lot of criticism. He he definitely deserves it, but there there is room for everybody to get some. I mean, Tyrese Maxey. This is a guy who's, I mean, arguably he's he's more important to this team than Tobias Harris is, uh, with the way he's playing. And uh, but Shake Milton, Court Maz, I didn't see them do anything last night. And I'm gonna tell you something. I'm and I'm glad you brought up Thibault. Because I know how much you love him from a def- defensive point of view. Right. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of defense last night, though. There wasn't <laughs> much defense, and I swear, this dude on offense just—I'm not—and I'm not kidding you. He brings—he makes me think of Andre Roberson of the Oklahoma City Thunder or from yeah. years past. That's what he makes me think of. And you know how hard—I mean, you just for a championship—if you have championship aspirations, you can't have a guard be that allergic to scoring the basketball. So they got to figure something out. And I believe that he, I believe he's way more talented than Andre Roberson is from an offensive point of view. But I think they got to make, Doc Rivers got to make a concerted effort to get him more involved, get him some more shots. 
run some plays, do something to get him involved because I got to think like if he out here just sticking up the joint to this to this rate on offense, that's I think that's gonna somewhat it's got to impact his defense, especially when he's going at guys like Kyrie. So the other part of it, before I get to speak on James Harden really quickly, I think there's I think there's got to be a little. I talked about the pressure on Steve Nash because he got a lot back in this trade that he should be able to work with, and we'll mm-hmm. see how it comes together when Ben Simmons takes the floor. But on the flip side, Doc Rivers, hello. I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit the past couple of years. We saw this just hilarious collapse that happened a few years ago when he was the last year he had with the Clippers. We saw how they looked like against the Hawks last year in the Eastern Conference semis when we know they, they, they had championship potential. This team got, I mean, this team has championship potential. And you got you to gotta figure this out. Like, they, they brought you James Harden. I think I still think, and I think you'd agree, even though he he was no good at all last night. Him and Joel Embiid is a lethal combination in the pick and roll. It's going to challenge every team that they play. But um, I mean, it's on it's on Doc Rivers somewhat, and that is James Harden. It goes back to the point of like some games mean more than others, and we talked about briefly like how they they've looked pretty good with him so far when he's played. And this was, but this was not the game to. Can you, when you play Minnesota or the Knicks, like right. could you? That, right. That's the time to have one of them like lackluster, just mail it in type games. Facts. Not not this one, man. Especially at home. Especially just, I mean, it it means something. And I, I don't know anything about you know going out and partying, but that, that's not that's not a great look. It doesn't it doesn't like give people the impression that like you care and right. you need to care because and I, I said this when he got traded your legacy your legacy's on the line right now this is his third team in like what three years he's got a reputation for coming up small in the biggest moment drink we he's got the opportunity he'll have the opportunity come playoff time to kind of rewrite this script and if he has playoff success in a major way nobody's going to remember this game but if he doesn't you will remember this game and you'll remember the, all the, all the other games in in Houston in particular, where you just didn't show up. And that's, that's where we're at with James Harden. I think it's, I think his legacy is on the line. I mean, obviously he's a great, he's a great talent, he's a great player. I mean, if he walk, if he left the court today, he'd probably make the hall of fame, but I mean, there's, we know there's levels to the strength and uh, among the all time greats, he, he just, he, he ain't there. And he needs he needs some real profound playoff success to continue to you know cement his legacy because right now and especially like what he played last night that's not obviously not it at all. Well, if you if you love the NFL trade news we had for you on Tuesday with Russell Wilson on the Denver Broncos. We got more for you on this uh, Friday. We had more trades uh, Wednesday and Thursday with Carson Wentz. He'll be hit, speaking of three teams in three years. He'll be playing quarterback for the third team in three years himself, as the Indianapolis Colts traded him to the the Washington. The, oh, they're, they're telling me they're the Commanders now, the Washington Commanders. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. The um, uh, Washington gives up two third round picks in return and some other. 
details in there that are cool. And then the Khalil Mack on the move again himself. He, you remember him. He was the one that played for the, uh, the Raiders, and then John Gruden came in and blew it up. They traded him to the Bears. Well, he's on the move. He's heading back to the AFC West, but he'll be playing for the Los Angeles Chargers. The uh, Chargers give up a, a second-round pick this year and a sixth-round pick next year. Uh, Drink, I'll, we'll start here. Which player do you think will have the greater impact to his new team? So after tough consideration and, and uh, you know, research, no, nah, it, it wasn't no research, folks. I was just me actually doing some a, a little um, theorizing here. Um, I'm going to go with Khalil Mack. Okay, so this, this is why I go with Khalil Mack. I understand that Tri- um, Carson Wentz is a quarterback. I also understand that Carson Wentz is going to a division that's very winnable for him. For those reasons, the reason I'm saying Khalil Mack is because I think Khalil Mack has more of an opportunity to um, capitalize off his position in a in a profound way. What do I mean by that? Carson Wentz, right? We was talking about something. Somebody said that Carson Wentz probably walks in as the second best quarterback in his division off, off rip, right? And then we kind of like, ah. Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz. I mean, Jalen Hurts ain't never been in the MVP conversation, but, I mean, he did take his team to the playoffs and actually play in the game. I mean, Carson Wentz got it. He was in the MVP conversation, but he kind of flatlined that season, and we ain't seen that Carson Wentz since. So maybe it is an argument to have there. I must assume that Dak Prescott is the number one quarterback in that division then you'll figure out the second and third, and we we know with the Giants. I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> come on, Giants. Um, so then when, when we go over here to Khalil Mack, this is what I mean by Khalil Mack. So you know twice a year Khalil Mack gets to get um, Pat Mahomes twice a year, right? He gets the – now he gets Russell Wilson twice a year, and he get Derek Carr twice a year. Now – as of right now, you got two quarterbacks that's probably in the top 10 with Wilson and Mahomes. You got Derek Carter's probably top 15, if top 20, maybe at worst. Um, so we are we talked about this when Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. This division is looking pretty glamorous from the quarterback position, right? Um and so now, Khalil Mack, just think about this. Let's say he have a game where he get, like, two sacks against Mahomes, and then he gets, like, two sacks against Derek Carr, and then he get, like, a sack and a half against um, Russell Wilson. He's going to get so much credit for that, like, a performance like that. Oh, by the way, he, he's going to be playing on the other side of a guy that's going to wreak havoc himself and Joey Bosa, right? So I just feel like in today's NFL, you got the quarterback, and now I feel like pass rusher, I mean, for me personally, it's like probably, you know, left tackle, pass rusher. It's like the second most important position now because if you hit right on the quarterback and the pass rusher, most likely your team is going to be pretty legit. Not saying you're going to win the Super Bowl, but – 
you're going to be a team that's going to stick around and be in the conversation for majority of the year. Then probably when the playoffs come around, you're going to probably realize you need a little more. But during the season, you're going to be in that conversation. You know what I'm saying? We Look at the Rams. What did the Rams do this season? They went and got a quarterback in the offseason. They went and got another pass rusher during the season. It's a reason for that. Not to say Leonard Floyd wasn't enough. Not to say Aaron Donald Donald wasn't enough in the interior. But pass rush is what you need to win the big trophy. Therefore, that is what Khalil Mack brings. Now, on on the other side of that coin, the pressure. It's the pressure for both players. The pressure for Carson Wentz is going to be way higher than the pressure for Khalil Mack. Because Khalil Mack, pass rusher, we've seen him do this. He'd have been through this. Oh, and by the way, he also played a position that is multiple guys of his position. Like, I, I doubt Khalil Mack will be the only one get the blame if the pass rush don't get there. They're going to look at Joe Bosa. They're going to look at somebody else. Like, what, what's going on with this pass rush? But – if the quarterback ain't position ain't right with Washington, it's gonna be all on Wentz. So I think, and and my problem with Wentz is this: the reason I think he's gonna lack impact too is he don't seem to do well under pressure. I'm sorry, but as soon as like they start, he 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 kind of got like a a discreet Westbrook like kind of feel to him, where it's like, yo, you start criticizing him. He just, man, he ain't strong mentally. He he gonna go into the toilet because it seems like when everybody was hyping him up and he was the second guy drafted behind Jared Goff and he came in and oh this guy from North Dakota State showing you that FCS quarterbacks can get it done and he was in the running for MVP and everything was well. Carson Wentz, man, this dude is good. But after that season, when they, well, I don't. I don't know, man. He's kind of not looking as great as we thought he was. He hasn't been looking real good. And most people don't have a lot too good to say about him at this point. The fact that he got another – he's on his third starting quarterback job is already astonishing. astonishing. On, oh, on top of that, the commanders picked up his $28 million salary for this season. You don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure for him? Jay, I'm just saying, man, Wentz ain't – listen, when they that meltdown they had at the end of the season last year, Wentz had something to do with that. I'm just saying, this pressure, he don't seem like he do well under pressure, and he's going to be pressured to be the second-best quarterback in this division, if not the best quarterback, if something don't shake out well with Dallas. He hasn't shown me he can handle that. Whereas I see Khalil Mack. He gets to go over there. He gets to go back in the division he done played in. Granted, the quarterbacks are different, but still a division he done played in before in a position where he gets to share the blame with another guy of that position that's probably just as good at this point in his career. And it's a more polarizing division. Don't nobody give a rep about the, the uh, NFC lease. Like, we crack jokes on this division every season. Let, let's keep it real here. We crack jokes on it. Like, we always talk about, well, the winner of this one, they're going to lay up in the playoffs. Like, that's how we feel about this division. Whereas Khalil Mack is going to be playing in a tougher division where it's going to demand more odds because of the quarterback he's going to play. And listen, 
we know the Chargers, you know, for the most part, they've been a pretty, like, somewhat complete team. We'll see this year. They lost some pretty key pieces this year. Um, but I just think the way it's set up, if you're talking about immediate impact versus long-term impact, I, I really think Khalil Mack got the upper hand with this, especially in the immediate department, because I think Wentz is really going to get a hard time. He's really – the commander fans are going to be – they already mad because they got this joke of a, a nickname, and now you're going to come in here and make them even more a joke. I'm here looking like a Cinnabon. I just feel like Wentz, he's going to crumble. I think by week three, if he's not what they think he should be, you're going to hear fans saying, honey, key, honey, key. You know, like, and then I'm going to be honest with you. If you Carson Wentz and they start yelling for Taylor Haneke, you're done. You're, you're done. Yeah, I mean, it's getting real disrespectful out here in these streets. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm, for my money, I'm going with Khalil Mack. I think he'll have the most, he'll have a, a bigger impact for the Chargers than Carson Wentz for the uh, Commanders. I disagree, but I don't blame you for your position because I thought it was uh, well thought out and well articulated. Um, because I think the, the, the best thing about it for you is uh, Khalil Max is certainly a, a better pass rusher than Carson Wentz is a quarterback. Um, the other side of it, though, is Carson Wentz, he's a quarterback, and Khalil Max a pass rusher. Car- Carson Wentz, like, if he can get close to being something that he was in 2017. And that's that 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 looks more and more like a long shot. But due to the fact that the Washington Commanders, uh, they had Taylor Haneke last year. So even though like Haneke, he come out there, he competes, he does what he does. He I, I never forget that just that remember the Alamo moment when he like was out there battling Tom Brady and it was cool, you know, that, that, that that'll be his highlight forever. Uh, but it, that, there's a difference though, between Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, even this version of Carson Wentz. So I think because, because Carson Wentz plays a quarterback position and the commanders, nobody was, you know, really taking them that seriously last year, especially the way their defense turned out. Once we saw their defense, just wasn't up to snuff. It was like, okay, this, yeah, forget about it. But the Chargers, the Chargers were not viewed that way last year. The Chargers, the Chargers are viewed to be serious because they have Justin Herbert and because they have, he's got a lot of weapons. Austin Eckler does things for you at the backfield. Uh, and they were right on the doorstep of the playoffs. So, and they'll, and they'll, they should, they'll be right there again. The AFC West be highly competitive. It could you could get three teams at their division in the playoffs next season. Um, so, but Khalil Mack, I don't. I think Carson Wentz, and especially when you talk about you know ceiling versus floor, Carson Wentz, if he plays well, he could elevate the Washington Commanders a, to a lot higher than Khalil Mack will be able to. That's what I believe. And then people forget Khalil Mack. Like I get it. We, we understand what he's done in his career, six straight Pro Bowls uh, from 2015 to 2020, made three all-pro teams in that span, I believe. Uh, he, but he is 31, and he did have a injury-marred season last year. So you got you to gotta think, 
is this perhaps he's got to be entering the back nine of his career. But the, the good thing, the good thing about it is I think this is the first time in his career that I think teams, at least, I mean, it'll at least be a question. And I would question like, okay, if you Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, who are you going to pay more attention to? Right. I would say at this point, like I'd probably pay Joey Bosa yeah, just a tad more right. attention, you know? So on that, on that side, if you, if you think that's true, then, Khalil Mack should have opportunities early on. I think teams are going to be anxious to see, like, how are you still the, the same Khalil Mack that came in the first season with the Bears and was wrecking people? Remember that? I, I never forget that. Uh, that Monday first night game, game Green Bay. Against, yeah, Green Bay yeah right? that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but you forget that the other part of this, like, think of when you think about Khalil Mack's impact after that first season. I mean, there really wasn't much to speak of after that you had you had eight and eight you had another eight and eight where they made the playoffs because they expanded it to seven teams per conference and then they went he was he was injured a lot last year but six and eleven so there's another example of how i mean the bears had khalil mack for four years and what did it get them i mean they they won a division they made the playoffs twice they didn't win a playoff game so and that's no knock on khalil mack that just goes back to the fact that like pass rusher versus quarterback quarterback i mean he he has the opportunity to make more of an impact now the question the big question is is carson Wentz going to perform we don't know that but i will say but the thing about it is if you take the uh disastrous 2020 season where he was just a turnover machine he's thrown like seven picks every other season so i i the the, the reports and the reputation that he's developed for his his lack of leadership and he don't work hard and he don't respond uh, well to like in your face coaching or whatever, like that seems, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it. And I obviously don't have, you know, the uh, information to like uh, dispute those claims. But like, when you look at, when you just look at the facts, when you look at like the, the basic information that we do know, like FCS, North Dakota State, you know, that type of background, it would seem to me that you would just think that you'd be a bit more thick skinned and you'd have a stronger work ethic and you'd be more of a leader. That's just always, it's just odd to me. And again, I'm not saying what they're reporting isn't true, but I'll just take it at face value. I mean, this, this might be the end of the road for Carson Wentz. You know, like the, the commanders, you saw the, I mean, you saw the news, they made a huge offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. They got turned down. So they were obviously, this was obviously not their first choice. But, I mean, Carson Wentz, you don't make it work here. I mean, that might be the end of the line. Three teams in three years, the meltdown against Jacksonville in the last year. I still think that's a big reason why he's gone. I know there was a report in the Athletic that I read. like, no, nah, they was done before that. Well, I mean, if they beat the Jaguars and make the playoffs and – you know, even if they didn't do it on the playoff, that's that's a totally different ball game. And I don't know, it would be it would be harder for you to punt on the guy after taking you to the playoffs. And the other part, the other thing that we didn't mention, maybe we should, is how how do, what does it mean for the teams that lost these players? I think for the Indianapolis Colts, the thing because this is the, the thing I brought up, and I don't think I explored it too much, but think about Frank Wright. Sometimes we think about young quarterbacks and like, oh man, this his fifth offensive coordinator in five years. Give me a break. This kid ain't had a chance. Yo, Frank Reich about to be 
He's about to have the, a fourth starting quarterback in four years. Uh, that that has to be somewhat difficult, even for a coach like, oh man, Andrew Luck. Then uh, who was it? Uh, was it Reset or something? Or Philip Rivers and Carson right. Wentz? And now maybe it's maybe it's the fifth quarterback in five years. It's just it's just crazy. Like how? And I think Frank Wright can coach, obviously. But man, it just I just want to say like that's got to be difficult. And I don't know exactly where the Colts go from here. I don't think the answer's on the roster. They can miss me with Sam Ellinger. And then for the Bears, like, the Bears, think about it. The Bears went all in on Khalil Mack, and it got them next to nothing. And now you can tell, like, okay, well, we're not going to get nowhere right now, and we got a lot of hope. Like, this defense is just in shambles compared to what it was the first year he was there under Vic Fangio. They just got to reload, and it's going to be a long road, but a long road back for them. But um, I think that no doubt, like, whichever player you go with, I do think – Today, after making these moves, I think both the Chargers and the Commanders feel a lot better, and they 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 should be improved at minimum by making these uh, acquisitions. All right. So, as my my partner alluded earlier, moving on to the third leg of our show. Now we're gonna talk a little MLB. The MLB lockout ended um, after ninety nine days of work stoppage. Well, ending a, a 99 day work stoppage. Um, Thursday, the MLB and the MLB uh, PA finally agreed to a new five year agreement. Um, so we're about to get some baseball, folks. But I think some of the, the key things that happened here, um, at, you know, a minimal salaries. I think that was one of the big key parts um, that 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 held up these two sides from agreeing. Minimal salary would start at seven seven hundred thousand dollars. And increased to seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars by twenty twenty six. I think that's a big deal. Um, maybe to the baseball players, I surely wish my um, minimum wage equaled up to seven hundred thousand dollars. But that's another story for another day. Um, it seems like we're going to have a sixteen draft lottery. Um, I know that was one of the things they they couldn't quite agree on how many teams would do the draft lottery. They couldn't agree on the top and the bottom. Um, teams can only option five. Play, the teams can only option players five times in a season. I let my partner explain that one because um, I, I read that the first time and it was like, hmm, interesting, but I don't quite know. Um, and then um, one one of the important things that was brought to my attention um, is even though the season is starting later. We will get all 162 games to be played. They'll figure that out. I'll let my partner um, roll in that one. So, Jay, with all of that said, this is the day we've been waiting on for them to finally figure it out. How do you feel about the fact that they finally came to agreement? And how do you, how do you feel about some of the terms that was agreed to, you know, as far as, you know, like the the, the – um, minimal wage payment, as we call it, the, the draft lottery, et cetera, et cetera. How, how you feel about these changes that they agreed to? Well, much much like when we started approaching this topic when the uh, lockout was, you know, pretty – we are in the early stages of it. Uh, nobody wins in a lockout. And uh, when the lockout ends, it feels like everybody wins. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a – 
upfront win for everybody. It's a win for the players, the owners. It's a win for Rob Manfred that he stopped beat up, getting beat up in public opinion for a little bit. And obviously, it's a it's a it's a win for baseball fans. Um, I do think the thing the thing about lockouts is you have uh, the league and then you have the players' association, and the I don't think it's it's never like an equal like fight because like the owners and the league are kind of like in kind of in control because like they're the ones normally that say okay we're locking it out like because the player has got some grievance so the play the players association and all leagues is kind of always you know swimming upstream so to speak in these negotiations the thing about this one based on what i'm reading is the players they did they made out pretty well um they, they got the minimum wage uh, minimum salary increase um as you said and that was um the previous minimum salary was like below $600,000. So it went up significantly. It'll continue to go up uh, through the end of the uh, collective bargaining, which is set to end in 2026, five-year deal. As you said, um, the, the voting, the voting I think was somewhat interesting. If you look at it, all the owners agree that this was like, this was a good, uh, this was good negotiation. Let's go ahead and roll. And then the, the breakdown of like the union leaders, you have each team, all 30 teams have a representative and then there's some executive subcommittee. I don't know what that means, but everybody from the executive subcommittee that are part of the players faction, they voted, they was like, uh, no, this ain't good enough. But then, all, but then 26 of the 30 teams say, yes, this is good, let's go. The, the four teams that said, no, it's not good were the Mets, Yankees, Astros and Cardinals three of those teams, really huge markets. I don't know if that plays a factor in how they were thinking of this, but um, I, I just think that that was somewhat interesting and it brings to mind like some of this, I think it feels like the, some of the players and some of their representatives felt like they still had more that they could get. But I think it's a situation kind of like you had this conflict, this more than three month conflict and it's just gotten, it's just been so everybody getting black eyes out here from like, you know, no baseball, like, okay, the league and the players, like, can y'all please come together and do something? There's gotta be some sort of compromise that we can reach. And I think that, I think that's a big part of why, you know, such a, a, a overwhelming supermajority of these team reps were like, okay, yeah, we signing this thing and we gonna roll. Um, I do think Rob Manfred, when he started his press conference, when he started off apologizing to the fans, um, I think that's I think that was important because, I mean, the fans, the people that you know support this product and pay and uh, you know spend money going through the turnstiles and subscribe to uh, MLB.tv and all these different things, like uh, I think you you do got to pay you have to pay attention to your paying customer and like when you don't have the sport like. We talk. I know the players and the owners; those are like the two main parties in all this. But the fans, like the fans, are a crucial third leg at that. And we know how critical the fans are to baseball, and they they got to do a better job of keeping the fans they have and pre presenting their product to the next generation of fans. So that that's a, that's a reason why lockouts in baseball and the thing we saw. Uh, when we were trying to get this thing reopened back in uh, what summer of 2020, 
That's why these things are so crucially awful for baseball. Like the NFL, as I said previously, they can survive this. Like it, it, they're going to be fine. They're not going to lose a bunch of fans over a lockout because the game is loved by, you know, virtually everybody. It's not a huge age demographic. Like baseball obviously caters older. It's the older fan, the older uh, people that uh, watch that sport primarily. But I think, again, the players, how well they made out with the salary increase and a couple other details that somewhat above uh, my level of expertise uh, since I didn't delve into them uh, all that much. But the, the players made out well. I think that's important when you talk about the union versus the, uh, employ- the employers, so to speak. And some, as for some of, the, um, some of the other details of what this means, we get more postseason more postseason team. I don't think that's necessarily good for the game, but it, I think it's good economically because, you know, the more playoffs, the more money. So I think that's what that's about. And I think that was more the league wanted more playoff teams to capitalize on some of that postseason revenue. So I think, and then the the lottery thing was a big deal. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They were we split did. apart. Like it was one, one side wanted four teams, one side wanted seven. So they get it down to six. And we, We've seen we've seen a lot of a lot of bad like the Baltimore Orioles come to mind. Like they just seemingly every year, like you the, check them this, in for check check them in for hundred losses and uh, the the San Diego Padres. <laughs> I can't ever remember when they was good. <laughs> they, they they're they're pretty uh, they're not they're not as bad as they used to be, but there are definitely okay. teams like that. And the Orioles for me are the first team that come to mind. So hopefully, like that de-incentivizes like these teams after the trading deadline just punting and uh next thing you know you're filling the lineup of dudes you've never heard of ever so hopefully that gets it together and it's just just a quick detail as far as the option note um all an option is is like you bring a guy up from the minor leagues to the major league squad and then you send him back down that's like one option i'm pretty sure so now there used to be a team could send a player up and down as many times as they wanted. And now they're lim- going to limit to five, which I think is kind of good. Like, I don't think you should be able to just, you know, send a guy up and down like 30 times or something crazy. So I'm glad there's a limit on that. Um, and as far as this international draft thing, I know that was a major issue during negotiations. And I think there are other things that the players could have like kept like forcing, but I think they just backed out just because I think most of them said, okay, I think with this lockout, we've accomplished enough, we've gained enough ground, and we can table some of this until the next CBA negotiations, which, by the way, I really hope baseball, the owners, the players, and Rob Manfred look at this as a lesson because come 2026, they need to have a lot of work done for the next CBA before we get to the 12th, 11th and 12th hour. Right. Because if you don't and you do this again, people are not gonna take kindly to this because this is just bad business, bad policy. And just it, from an optics point of, from an optics perspective, you just look awful and everybody does. So I really hope that doesn't happen come 2026. All right, so Jay, I got a question for you. You said, you made a comment about the playoffs. You said you're, you, you, you're not a big fan of, um more playoffs. What, what what exactly do you mean by that? Well, drink the the uh, 
the analogy I guess I'd use is think about think about the expanded college football playoff that we kind of okay. we've been talking about here recently. Okay. You you and I both know the farther in the standings you go down or the college football playoff rankings, the the less and less quality opponent or the quality team you're getting in there. It's no okay. different in baseball. When you go down to uh you know, now, now you're going to have a situation with 12 teams. You're going to have, what, six teams in each in each uh, league. So, I mean, you're going to have – you could have in six divisions two teams from every um, division make it in. And there's a, there's a lot of times where some of these teams that are making it or could be like six games over 500. You're going you're gonna to have some average – some really average teams make it in the playoffs. And because of that, I don't think the quality of play is going to be that high early on in the early in the early rounds or however it's set up. I do know both teams that have the best record in each league, they'll have a first round bye. But some of these teams that barely make it in, it's it's going to be it won't be the highest quality of baseball. And it's the same and just the same thing we talked about, like. In college football, we have a hard enough time sometimes getting a fourth team in the playoff right, that's like, right. you know, worth the worth the number one seed's time. So right. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it'll be no different in baseball. So the farther – and think about the NBA as well with this play-in tournament. I mean, the Lakers in the nine seed, they'll be in the play-in tournament, and they're, un, they're about un, unwatchable right now. And they're hey, not yeah. the only ones, but – and they're not okay. – and they're not the only ones, but – the farther down and the more teams you let in, you're not going to get you're not going to get the highest quality of action. So it is good economically. I think they'll make more money, but I don't think it'll be it won't be the best product because you're not just selecting the best teams like used to be what six, eight. And they've slowly but surely been expanding it out more and more. more and the same thing we said in the NFL when they've like went to seven playoff teams in each conference so now you've got 14 instead of 12 the chicago bears a couple years ago yeah stop get out of here that's all it is more is more is not always better okay um and then then one more other question for you now i remember when we was talking about this like weeks ago it was something about pitching it was like i i can't remember exactly if it was about like a pitch count or we talked about the pitch clock that we talked about. That that's what it was, the pitch clock. So did that get tabled for now? Or like do you know? I don't think based on all I've read, I haven't seen anything more about the pitch clock, but what I do know is there used to be a I think you had to the commissioner had to wait like at least a year, like from when a rule is proposed and it's like, okay, this is a good rule. I think mm-hmm. they had to wait a full year before actually implementing it. And now the commissioner can implement a rule within like 45 days. So what mm. that means is if the pitch clock like gets the green light, let's say tomorrow, then by May, it could like be inactive. So it's pretty, pretty significant, not only for the pitch count, but for like any new rules they want to just pop in. Like, for example, a, uh, a uh, artificial intel strike zone or whatever they want to do with that to right. not have umpires call balls and strikes. If we ever, if we ever get to that point, like it's not going to be something that we'll wait very long for. It'll get approved one day and then a month and a half later, it'll be in. I think that's the, 
that's the more significant development than just the pitch clock. Okay. Very well. Oh, so baseball finally got their act together. Um, now, with that said, I didn't I didn't necessarily see when the season gonna start. Is it still gonna start? It'll on start the, the original day. opening day. Opening day got slid back one week to uh, April seventh. But yeah, the, okay. the big thing was I think the original hey we gotta have our crap together was like February twenty eighth. It's what been like almost two weeks from then. So they did baseball like. I think they canceled the first couple series and maybe the first couple weeks, but they will play a full 162, as you said, in the opening. And um, I think they're just going to have way less off days. And so if that's the case, one thing to watch is some of these, some of these bullpens and these pitchers, like you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of tired bullpens and you're going to see a lot of arms be used perhaps more than you usually would, I think. Very well. So I'm listen, man. I'm I'm glad baseball got their act together. Um, as as we see more and more like mandates go down, I'm hoping you know. Um, I was just I don't know, man. Like we when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I you you seen what I said? I was like, yeah, we're gonna miss like the first two months because like they don't care. They're just gonna argue about it. So I am glad to see that they was able to come to the table get an agreement and like you say the players have made they they got some pretty good leeway with this one we come back in five years we'll see how that roll but hey man before i gotta give a shout out to old rob melford man and, and and tony clark over here these two dudes you know probably took a lot of smoke behind this but you know rob melford he made it happen now hopefully like you said when this comes up in five years, I'm pretty sure Rob Memphis is still going to be the man up there. Hopefully, they, they be a little more proactive and get a lot of this out the way. Because like you said, baseball ain't the sport that can really just sit around and not be played and expect fans to just be like, oh, we got time. We'll wait on baseball. <laughs> we got time. You know, not – and I told you this. Not with the US, uh, USFL coming into town. They'll be playing spring football now. Don't know how popular that'll be, but I do know one thing. If you ain't got no competition on TV you, and you're the only thing smoking, then everybody's going to be watching. So now that baseball back in the pocket, you know, not, not I would assume that their, their fan base and their viewership will stay about, you know, where it is. So we'll see, man. But, hey, there it is, folks. Y'all heard it. MLB is back. All right, so now moving on to the men's NCAA basketball. Y'all know what time it is, man. It's conference tournament time. Um, you know, we got to warm up the skids, make sure the conference get their bids in, automatic, at large, don't really matter. Um, so with that said, we down to our final four in the ACC, um, Miami versus Duke, Virginia Tech versus North Carolina. In the Big Ten, we got a little more to get, a little more to chew off there. Um, they're, they're down to they, – they had four teams that, that qualified for the next round already. Then we got two more games left. Um, so we'll see where, where that goes. Big East down to the Final Four. So it's the uh, Big 12, Pac-12. The SEC, 
Um, they just one of them teams that like to play all the way up to Selection Sunday, like the minute, like the game championship game go out, confetti come down, and then they switch over to CBS. All right, boys, let's talk about this. Rick J and Ben, and the, you know. So, with all of that said, we we getting down to where the rubber meets the road, Jay, in the conference tournament. Um, give us some insight. What what are you looking for as far as the rest of the conference tournament? Who do you see winning? You know, who do you see? You know, how do you see this impact and seeding? Let us know some, man. Yeah, thanks, Rick, or Ben, or whatever, <laughs> whatever the name is. Uh, you know, I think um, the AC, what the ACC has going on, it's been a, it's been somewhat of a down year for the ACC. Uh, I think Duke's the only team that'll be, you know, above the above the three line. Um, but I do think, like, if we get, if you see, and Duke Miami playing right now. But I think remember Coach K losing on Saturday to North Carolina in his final regular season game, and I think I think that was in uh, in uh, in Durham. Right, right. It Man, was. if he could it, get it, get another crack at North Carolina potentially, North Carolina played Virginia Tech at nine thirty this evening, and that's that's got to that's got to mean something. So I think um, the ACC definitely something I'm looking for because a potential Duke, North Carolina, ACC uh, tournament championship game would definitely, definitely be worth watching uh, tomorrow at some point. Um, the the Big East, Big East, sometimes we don't pay a whole lot of attention to it just because it's the Big East. But I tell you, like, to have, like, Providence, Villanova, and UConn all ranked in the top 25 and Providence, Villanova right around the top 10, uh, that that's telling. So in Providence, I think 25 and four this season. So we'll see. And they're playing Creighton. I think they're playing Creighton right now. So we'll see. Um, but that's just that's just an example of like these. They got some teams out there. Obviously, we know about Villanova. Seeing them year in year out there, the team worth uh, watching. But I guess keep an eye on UConn and Providence uh, come next week as well. Uh, there's a couple couple one seeds that already went down. You had or a couple. No, it was two one seeds. You had uh, right, Illinois right. and the Big Ten go down today against Indiana. Huge win for Indiana because they're on the bubble right now. And then A&M, Texas A&M as well. I think they're a little bit further down the bubble, but a big win nonetheless against a top five team in Auburn. The two major, two major victories there for teams that definitely need to improve their resume. And you also had Baylor go down yesterday um, against Oklahoma. What I read earlier in the athletic, they think that Oklahoma now at 18 and 14 with that win has done enough to get in. But I don't, not sure how I feel about that because 14 losses is a whole lot. That's a so lot. That's a lot. You, I, I might feel a little bit better. I might feel a little bit better if you can beat Texas Tech tonight and just get a 19. But there's still a lot of losses, and depending on, I mean, I, I know they got quite a lot of quality wins, but. That's going to be tough. The SEC, I just do want, want to highlight them real quickly. I know we they, they got a football reputation, but I but I will say like they got three teams that are, I think are all serious: Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee. All serious, all in the top ten right now. I think they all we got to pay attention to all those teams. And then Pac-12, what are we doing with this Colorado Arizona game? <laughs> The number two team in the nation gets to play on the Pac-12 network. As usual, as usual, the Pac-12, the butt of the joke. Go ahead. Go ahead, drink. 
I ain't gonna lie, I wasn't even ready for that, but you that's that's funny. <laughs> um <laughs> listen, so with, with that said, no, I, I wanna I wanna come in on your point about the big east. I think this is fantastic. I think the big east and lost some allure over the time. And we you remember it broke up and then it kind of came yes. back together, and people didn't really know it came back together until like recently. Um I always thought when you're talking about top-tier basketball programs or top-tier basketball conferences, I thought it was always between the Big East and the, a and the ACC. Um, yeah. I just I just felt like basketball, it's like the same thing in football. We, we feel like football means more in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? So I've always felt like basketball meant more for the ACC and the Big East. Not to say it's not good basketball in the rest of the nation. I just feel like, just like football, it's good football all over the nation, but you don't have the intensity like the SEC or that want to. Um, so to your point, I, I do think people sleep on the Big East because of the names of the teams and we're not as familiar. You know, Providence fell off for a while. We forgot about Providence. Creighton, they've been out of the mix for a while. UConn, you know, a team we are familiar with, we kind of just be like, yo, where they been at? Is Kevin Ollie still there? Like, it's like things like you, you kind of forget about them. Villanova is probably the only mainstay that's in that conference where we're like, we know Jay Wright. We know what Villanova going to do. We got to Google the rest of these guys because it's just been a while. Like, it's just what it is. It, when it's been a while, it's been a while. But to your point, um, I would love to see a rematch between Duke and North Carolina for the ACC championship. Just like you said, I man, them players had to feel like crap to seeing Coach K out like that. Um on a game that you should have won, that was on your floor, and you lose to North Carolina, um, a game where if they had a lost the game, it wouldn't have hurt them that bad just because of everything that came with the game. And they won the game, so now they're kind of like, ha-ha, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think, I guess a better question, and we, when we get into talking about March Madness itself, I would love to – hopefully we can talk about this before at some point. Cause I'm just curious on like how many, one, one of the things I look for on selection Sunday is how many teams do a conference get in. And I always know that these tournaments matter when it, we talk about how many teams, like you just said about Oklahoma, if Oklahoma don't beat Baylor, we ain't talking about Oklahoma get in. Now Oklahoma could probably beat Texas tech, and be in comfort, like they don't have to worry about playing a first four game or something like that. Right now, they probably would. Um, let's just be honest about that. They got in, they should definitely be one of the teams playing the first four game. But maybe another win keeps them out of that. Um, so, you know, I, I just feel like right now, for men's basketball and for women's basketball, for that fact of the matter, what they're doing now is, they're kind of drawing their, their fan base back again. After COVID really messed college basketball up, I think, honestly, I, I don't think it's a sport that took a hit worse than college basketball did when COVID came. Because the NBA is a professional thing. So they, they was able to muster their way through it. The NFL, all the pro leagues was able to get it together. But college got kind of hit harder because they're students and they're not getting paid and all this other stuff. So you have to worry about the school aspect as well as the athlete aspect, right? Um, the NFL, I mean, co 
college football was able to, you know, that it's it's considered outside. So they able to spread people out and wear masks and come up with these bubbles and do things. I thought college basketball kind of got the short end of the stick. So I'm glad to see that it's coming back. March Madness, you know what time it is. We're about to get into that. And the conference tournament seems to be right in the position that we want them to be in for the popularity of the sport. So um, I can't wait to see how the rest of the weekend unfolds. Like I say, you got teams that's going to play all the way until the confetti comes down. Um, but I'm glad to see the, the love, the, 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 the happiness, the environment, the, the, the impact that, that these games have starting to come back around, started bringing that excitement back into the sport. So I can't wait for that. And we'll see who do what um, come Selection Sunday. Hey, get them weight rooms together. Make sure they tight in the double A. I won't deal with that again. No, nah, I'm pretty sure they already took care of that one. They were like, nah, 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 nah. Hey, look, and I also I'm glad you said that because that's the funny thing. I think because of that scenario, is the reason why they was trying to do the whole we want to play both tournaments in the same city so they can like minimize what happened to spread out so much. Yeah, that didn't go very far. But I do think that's where the idea came from. All right, time to end the show with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, Drink. Let's roll, baby. Eagle Center, Jason Kelsey has been contemplating retirement again this offseason, but announced he will return. He, is, he will be returning for a 12th season last night. Are you excited for his return, Jay? No, well, he's a well, he's a center, so I don't know how I don't know how thrilled I can be about a center, but he's well, he's look, he perhaps the best center in football, and you know, coming back to you know be the dude that snaps the ball, Jalen Hurts. I think there's uh there's something to be said for that, and he's definitely a, means a lot to that organization. So um about as excited as I can for a center, I'll say that. New York Knicks backup forward Cam Reddish will miss the rest of the regular season with a right shoulder separation. Uh, big deal, little deal, no deal. I'm going to go with Little Deal because I'm pretty sure they had to blackmail Tom Thibodeau into even playing the guy. I don't, I don't understand. They they traded for the guy and then just let him sit on the bench. And then finally, somebody showed him one of those pitches that he didn't want to see for the rest of his life. And there go Cam Reddish um, in the lineup. So, But I'm going to say Little Deal because I just don't think he was making that big of an impact just because he wasn't getting played all that much. Apple would start broadcasting MLB games this season with double headers every Friday night. Is this something you're looking forward to? Uh, yes, on the hand that I think it's good that baseball can get more, you know, national televised games. You know, they do that thing with ESPN. You see a lot of things on MLB Network, TBS a little bit, but it's just not – they don't have anything like the NBA on TNT, which is such, a, such an iconic thing. So uh, hopefully this will be something, but I tell you what, like, I, just a, like now you got to have Apple TV plus to watch these games. So like everything, every little thing I got to, I got to get Apple TV to watch two games per week. So yeah, yes and no on that one. As NFL free agency approaches, we're seeing a wave of cuts, including three fairly big names. It's this week, Landon Collins, Trey Flowers, and Corey Littleton were all informed they will be released. Which of those was the most surprising? I'm going to go with Landon Collins, man. I thought, you know, um, I, th I thought his position was pretty um, locked in over there um, in that division. But, I mean, like you said, all three of these guys are pretty surprising, but I just go with Landon Collins because that's the guy that sticks out to me more. But, hey, man, it just show you, man, one day you're good, the next day you're not. 
Georgia has fired men's basketball coach Tom Crean after a after four after a four seasons and a four to seven and seventy five record in four seasons, which include a six and twenty six record this year. Any reason they should have kept him around? Well, he drank. He recruited Anthony Edwards. That's worth a lifetime contract. I'm just playing. Forty seven <laughs> and seventy five, hey. six and twenty six and twenty six this season. I think they was one and seventeen in the SEC. Drink they, yeah. Nobody, nobody can defend this. Uh, get him out of here and ne- next man, next man. It's time. Get somebody else in there. LSU has received a notice of allegations related to potential violations in the football and men's basketball program. And some of this stems from a federal basketball investigation that came public in twenty seventeen. I think Will Wade, I think, I think he's still there, matter of fact. Right. We've seen this coming, didn't we? We did. We did. Um, it's a whole 30 for 30 out there on this. If you don't know, folks, um, hit that ESPN um library, and it's a 30 for 30 out there where, where a guy really draws this out and LSU is in the smack dab middle of it. Um, as far as the basketball program, we know with the football program, um that's a whole different uh ball of wax, if you ask me, but Yes, we definitely seen this coming, but LSU is LSU. As you can see, the coaches are still there. I mean, yeah, Orgeron's he's gone now, but way after the allegations started, just like Les Miles, now wait. So, you know, LSU doing what they do. The Chicago Cubs have extended the contract of manager David Ross through the 2024 season with a club option through 2025. What do you make of this decision? Somewhat, somewhat odd because we know at the trading deadline last year they traded everybody. Um, so I guess they, I guess that speaks to they have a lot of confidence in the manager David Ross, and I guess they're saying, "Look, we believe in you. We know we got a lot of work to do, but we're gonna rebuild, and we think you're the guy to lead this rebuild and get us back to where we're going." So I guess judging by this extension, hopefully within the next three years, um, they're back to being a contender. Reports from Wednesday say the Giants are making moves. They're going to pursue quarterback Mitchell Trubisky when free agency begins. It seems a little odd. What do you what do you think that's all about? You know, sometimes I just think, how would life be if I wasn't if I wasn't around, man? It's just like some of these decisions just make me just want to just run my head into this wall and never, just never think I would. What, what in the hell has Mr. Biscuit done for his name to even be brought up in free agency? Oh, let me guess. You know, maybe it was the coaching. Maybe he needs a new coach, right? Listen, listen, first of all, whether this is true or not, I get it. I get it. Brian Dayball, he's the new head coach. We've seen what he did with um, Josh Allen. Mr. Biscuit was the backup, so maybe he can work that magic again. I get that. But then what happens if he don't do that? Now you got two sorry quarterbacks that you can't even rub together to get 10 touchdowns. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, God, Lee, you, you couldn't find a better option than this? Come on, New York. You Are you the Jets or the Giants? Because you really look – you're out here like the Jets right now. This is a, this is a New York Jets move. You're supposed to be above this. Guess not. Kansas City men's basketball coach Bruce Weber resigned on Thursday after 10 seasons with the Wildcats. 
Do you think, do you think of, what do you think of his explanation for his decision, Jay? Well, I like the fact that he was talking about like, hey, man, we did things the right way and I'm not caught in all these uh, NCAA violations and all that, that type of thing, which I think there's some, there's some merit to that. Um, but I also think like it was just weird that like he said, I'm resigning, but I want to coach again. I hope as an AD who will like give me another job or something. I just like, why don't you just resign? And, why you just take this day to resign and mm-hmm. like you, we can find we can find you another job down the line. I mean, st- I think he's a good coach. You remember 2005 with Illinois, he led him to the national title game. So um, obviously got a track record for doing some stuff. Last one tomorrow evening, it's UFC Fight Night. Santos versus Ankalev on ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a light heavyweight bout between the number five ranked contender, Thiago Santos, and the number six ranked contender, Magomed Ankalev. Drink, who wins this one? Oh uh, yeah, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh brutally honest. Akalev, um I, I watched him a long time ago. He hasn't really fought anyone that gets me get my um blood boiling. I'm gonna go with Santos. Santos uh he actually fought for the title, a hell of a match um against John Jones back in back in the day. I know he's been working back from an injury. Um so I'm I'm gonna take uh Santos by decision in this one. All right, you heard it here first. That concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Watt. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Drink of Wisdom.